With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Reality radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. We live in a world of technological advances. We've lived in that world for a long time, but it's funny that the the advances in technology have historically happened faster and more furiously uh, over uh, over time. You know, we've gone from the, I was just watching 1923 when you have motorized vehicles and horses on the streets in Montana at the same time, you know, that transition, that was a great great episode. I loved it. (laughs) The transition's slow though. It's just like, it was so slow today though. We've gone from having, having no connection to each other electronically to the World Wide web that was invented by Tim Berners Lee. Not that long ago. I mean, the dude's still around. Um, and we can communicate in an instant. We can do all kinds of things. And people are always trying to invent the latest, greatest thing in technology. And a couple of decades ago, some mystical man in a mask somewhere or woman uh, invented this thing called cryptocurrency, which has become over the years all the rage with a certain set of people. And that set tends to be, I believe, gamblers. Now, the connection between the World Wide Web and crypto is a guy by the name of Tim Berners-Lee, who who created the World Wide Web. And recently, in an issue of Barron's, referred to cryptocurrency as, quote, dangerous. He said it's only speculative. Obviously, That's really dangerous. He said crypto is only for people who get a kick out of gambling and that it is purely, purely speculative. Charlie Munger uh, said that crypto is crapo and worthless. It's no good. It's crazy. And he was ashamed that Bitcoin hadn't been banned in the U.S. The Securities and Exchange Commission is close to a rule that would not allow financial advisors who are fiduciaries to use crypto in portfolios. They have told the government has told banks that they cannot be in a banking relationship with cryptocurrencies. Why is all of this happening? Because crypto is gambling. That's why it's happening. And people love to gamble. However, I'm a bit bothered by those who, you know, a lot of people who aren't the crypto gamblers want to make crypto appear mainstream or they're of a group that I call panderers. But really what they're trying to do is humor these young people so that they don't offend them so that they don't lose listenership or readership among these young people. And the, the, the this just came up recently. Tom did an interview with Jill Schlesinger about her new book. And Tom, 
What did she say? Well, in the Great Money Reset, I was surprised to read that Jill says the old Jill would have said no to speculative things like crypto, to things like SPACs, to sort of these, you know, taking a flyer sort of approach, right? I'll throw a couple bucks at that, see what happens. But you mean, you mean Jill, gambling? Wait, yeah, you mean gambling? Speculating. Speculating. So, I mean, <laughs> so you have to tomatoes, get into tomatoes. The word games there. The new Jill, she says, yeah, says, okay, 5% of your money can go ahead and take a shot at something like this. That's okay. And, you know, and I think I did, I can't remember if I asked her during the interview, which, which is a very good interview, not because of me, but because Jill is a real pro at all this. Uh, it, I asked her, I said, well, gosh, that just sounds like, you know, just gambling, check, throwing your money at something that, you know, is a total risk of loss. And she said, when you say that, you sound old. Now, I am a few years older than Jill, not that many years older, not but I'm, that a few many, years no. older than, <laughs> I'm a few years older than Jill. I'm a few years older than a lot of the people that listen to this program because I talk to you on a regular basis. But I don't believe in speculation. I don't believe in gambling. And again, for full disclosure, I did put $100 on a football team to win the Super Bowl, I think, last uh, September, and that team did not make the playoffs. So I did make a bet. Who in their right mind would pick the Raiders to win the Super Bowl? Because a guy who's been a fan of the Raiders since about 1965. (laughs) Doesn't mean you should pick them. I I I didn't pick the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) A hundred bucks would have paid me like five thousand. By the way, Jill, 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 and others. I just want to want to kind of put this to rest. In the dictionary, in the thesaurus, the word speculate, the number one synonym of speculate is gamble. So there quit saying, oh, well, this is just speculation. No, it's gambling. By definition, it's gambling. And to say you can put 5% of your assets in something like crypto or gold or SPACs or whatever stupid idea comes along, stupid idea, by the way, stupid, is is akin to saying, hey, you saved a million dollars for retirement. Why not put 50000 in lottery tickets? See how you do. And this is part of my problem with that approach is that we know most people, most, again, it probably includes the two of us, you know, have saved pretty well for retirement, not over the top, and we're going to need the money. The idea that you can throw 5% at something and it might hit, it might not hit, is could be painful. Um, Rick Edelman has been running around the country oh, now for Rick the last three or four years. Went and, from a uh, this, sensible investor to crazy know, man. Crazy. Yeah, and this article goes, I happen to look this up today, goes back to September of 2021. Now, Rick started a financial advisory firm, used to use dimensional funds, kind of moved away from that, and then finally completely broke free of the Earth's gravity, I guess, and started running around telling everybody they needed advisors, this is, needed to have crypto in portfolio. So according to this article in 2019, only 1% of financial advisors either owned crypto or used it for their clients. By the next year, according to this, 2021, that was up to 14% of advisors had uh, had put people into Bitcoin at all. Now, we know what's happened to the price since the fall of 2021. It's I think we looked this up today. It's down to about what half of what it was, which is a pretty steep decline even if, again, you only have 5% of your money in something because that's a lot of money to lose. But here's my take on the whole thing. I think, first of all, 
people need to know, should I speculate? Type that into the internet. If we're going to find 315 million results, 315 million results about should I speculate? And I don't think you mentioned gambling. I don't think most people know the difference between what we advocate, which is investing versus speculating it there's a time element to this right and speculating generally means i'm putting it in something i hope to hit a home run by next week and get my money versus investing is long term uh, investing is putting your money into something that's had success in the past is a probability of success in the future versus speculating when you're putting your money in something that wow it's a it's it truly is a flyer and again, then the third part would be there is risk to everything. There's risk to putting money in stocks. There's risk to putting money in government bonds versus putting money in something that is a complete speculation, only worth what the next person says it's worth. Huge difference. And then I also ask people when, when they come into the office, Don, because I see them regularly where they own one or two stocks. They own, of course, Amazon or they own Microsoft and they're sure that is going to outperform the market. And I ask, why are you speculating with your future? Is it entertainment? Is it the hope of a huge gain? And most people cannot answer that question. Also, they don't know, do they need this money? Do they need to make 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% a year on their money? Or is this just something they want? I want to hit a home run because it's going to feel good. I'm going to look really smart. And these are things people generally overlook when they get into all these other aspects, Bitcoin, uh, you mentioned crypto, SPACs, all the stuff that has come up. So I don't invest any of my, other than the aforementioned $100, any of my money in things like this, because my investments truly are based on long track records and based on what I will need in the future, not what I'm hoping to make in the future. And you, I think you missed one thing in that, one thing. When you were talking about risk, you said investing, any kind of investing is risky. It's degrees. And it's, yeah, that's true. It's Moderate the, versus It's not just degrees. Complete. It's definitions thereof. Because if you buy Amazon, if you buy, uh, if you go to a casino, there is a really good chance you're going to lose your money. Probably all of it. Probably all you came with. If you buy crypto... I believe, and I and there's no evidence to support anything but my belief, that there is a good chance that crypto could go, any crypto, Bitcoin, Ether, Ethereum, whatever it is, could go to zero. That could happen, right? You buy Amazon. Could Amazon go to zero? It will one could. day. Can any stock go to zero? Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. all of them can. Yep. Mm -hmm. So therefore, that is risk. That, in my my opinion, this and I think this is a great way to think about it. That is the risk. The risk of total that loss. Total. You loss. lose either a lot yep. or everything, and you don't yep. just lose it temporarily. You lose it permanently. Permanent loss. Now, let's compare that to owning the entire global stock market. What does the entire global stock market represent? Every single publicly traded business on planet Earth. Everyone. So let's say you own that whole portfolio. Can you lose all of your money? If a, a meteor hits the world, can. yes. You Nuclear can. incident, you yeah, can. you could. Sure. You can, but will you? Hmm. Let's assume that there are only two or three things that could happen 
There's a fungus. Oh God, let's which not. Which Tom there. is now that afraid of. Awful. Oh. <laughs> There's the meteor that killed the dinosaurs, but remember, mm-hmm. little mammals survived, and so did the birds. That's true. Yep. They were dinosaurs. Nuclear war that could kill off a big chunk of humanity. Yeah, it could destroy the financial system. But in any of those scenarios. Will your portfolio, what happened to your portfolio, will that be top of mind concern? No. My guess is You'd be is more not. worried about <laughs> so, canned food, ammo, guns, it, that kind of so stuff. So for yeah. all intents and purposes, I think we need to settle we need to settle on this as the answer. If you own a globally diversified portfolio of stocks, let's forget about bonds for a minute, just stocks. Can you is it let's just for the sake of argument, let's call it riskless, shall we? Because if the worst happens, you're not going to care. So for all intents and purposes, it's not like owning a stock. It's not. You can't lose everything. You just can't do it. It makes no sense. It's illogical. So owning a diverse, well-diversified portfolio is essentially riskless. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I don't care. It is essentially risk less. And then you throw some nice safe bonds in there. Even less. By the way, if it all does blow up, they'll never find you. They might find me. They won't find you. It's a good chance. So why? Because I'll be eaten by alligators. (laughs) Something will approach that house and it'll be gone. Yeah, no, it'll be alligators in the woods. Yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're out in the woods. They're going to, you know, a nuclear strike, they're taking out Seattle. It'll get up your way. All right. Fair enough. So I got the planes. I'll fly too. out on one of my planes. So mm, yeah, I want to see you ride a plastic plane to uh, to safety. <laughs> the heat won't do it well, probably. <laughs> so, uh, it, that, stop. What's the message? What's the underlying message? Please stop gambling unless it's just for fun. And we're to I think we'll take Jill's advice, but we'll do her one better. If you want to take two or three hundred dollars and go buy some lottery tickets or go to Vegas, knock yourself out. But five percent of your portfolio, stop. You got questions? We got answers. Oh, we do. We have answers. Tom has a question, and hopefully, we have an answer. I haven't seen the question, so this is a total well, yeah, surprise. This is a good Don one. Don is totally unprepared yeah, for this. That's so. true. Well, I, we've never right. we've never prompted you on any of these, and we could have. Yep. This comes from Eric in Michael, Minnesota. No, Familiar right next to uh, to Mark, Minnesota, and Matthew, Minnesota. So they're all Michelle, Minnesota. Michelle, okay, Minnesota. So, uh, no, no, I'm, no. Back when they named the towns, they were misogynist. They only named ah, them after men. No girl yeah. town. It was the 1800s. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking, he says, I'm looking for guidance on the decumulation phase of my life. I've been saving most of my life. And as I approach retirement, I'm challenged by the idea of not saving but pulling from my savings. My wife and I both have pensions. I do not worry about running out of money, but I have a saver's mindset and having a hard time thinking about and planning for the next phase. Any ideas or tips would be appreciated. We did this question, or I did this question. Maybe he called it in too. Okay, maybe so, because that doesn't ring, didn't ring a bell with me. I mean, this is always a great topic anyway, because it comes up a lot. People who most of the people that we talk to and we talk to a lot of you are savers. The half mm-hmm. that save nothing generally don't listen to the program because, well, they got no they reason have nothing to, to think save. about investing. 
I'd cut this out. Here's the thing. So as a saver, and this is going to be hard for me, it's going to be hard for Don. It's going to be hard. I agree with Eric to start spending down the money that I've saved because it'll, it's going to be very counterintuitive feeling to start pulling money out of something where I've been putting it in for a long period of time. I get that. That, that is difficult. But the reality is if you have pensions and you have Social Security, well, gosh, you've got four annuities right there. You're already off and running. Here's the way I would look at the rest of the money. If indeed it is going to be not part of the overall plan. Number one, I would look at it in terms of taking some money out for things you want to do that you might not necessarily do because you were a saver. Part two, is there going to be money left for others? I just read this uh, the other day. 75% of people want to leave something for the next generation. Now, as you know, all the time, I urge people, don't worry about that. Spend your life, your money. And if you can leave something, great, but don't worry about it. But 75% of you say, nope, I want to save something for the next generation. So with those two things, then the money generally should be invested in a more aggressive manner because you can deal with the volatility since your drawdown is going to be relatively low. That would suggest a higher stock to bond ratio than somebody who needs to be more moderate because they're pulling out four or five percent, three, four or five percent of the portfolio annually. Then you need to have more in bonds. But back to the decumulation in a general sense, and I talked about this at Retire Meet. Generally, generally, if you have money in a taxable kind of a brokerage account, in a pre-tax and a post-tax, like a Roth environment, you generally want to take money from the taxable part first. The generally, you want to take it from the pre-tax or traditional second and let the Roth part ride for as long as you possibly can, maybe even leaving it to the next generation if that's important to you because they're going to get that uh, tax free. Now they do have to take it out in the 10 years, but they get it out tax free. So what big deal does that make? So, but other than that, this is why, by the way, most people Don need a plan. Eric probably needs to talk to an advisor and put all this into a plan and say, ah, this is how it's going to work. This is where I'm going to draw the money from rather than just looking for a general answer, if you will. Although I'll give him a general answer because I think I did the last time too. Um, my general answer is you got this big chunk of money, set a, set an annual withdrawal rates, low one, one or 2%, maybe three. And just every year that pops out at the beginning of the year and you guys sit down and figure out what kind of fun things you want to do with that money, whether it's take a trip or buy a car or give it to the grandkids or start a, fi- a 529 plan or you know, take the take the family to Disneyland, whatever it is, just take some out. Force yourself to decumulate a little bit by having a withdrawal come out at the beginning of every year. That's a small percentage, a percentage that, given your investments, cannot possibly draw the thing down over your life. Wait, which can be part of a plan? To the, discipline to the whole thing, just like you had saving it and investing. Yeah, you just do There's it backward. A novel discipline. idea. Wow, that's yeah, great. I love that. Backward, yeah, backward discipline, backward discipline. And and I want to correct something. Please. When I get to retirement and I have a bunch of money, uh, am I going to have a problem spending it? No, <laughs> no, no, It'd not, be okay not at all. seeing the balance come down? I don't care. You know, I'll okay. just die sooner. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not that worried. <laughs> what, there's I'm really not. <laughs> in your household who might be more worried about that? Just oh, yeah, her. her. So. But but yeah. uh, you uh, you were talking about me. Oh, I see. Me, this I is would all just, about me. Okay, got it. Th- yeah, if it was okay. just me, I'd I'd be spending it. 
I'd just spend it. Which I think, again, I tell that to frivolous. people regularly. It's your money. Go do what you want with it. I think it's just good Actually, advice. I probably wouldn't spend it. Because, you know, if it was just me, just me, there was no Debbie. You wouldn't spend um, very much. I, I probably would just hang out in my Airstream driving around the country. And looking continent. for the Chick-fil-A available nearby. Other than that, no, not much. No, I would occasionally no. stop at one for the chicken sandwich. Although I got to tell you, we got a new chain down here giving Uh-oh. them a run for their money. Yeah. Which is? It's called Huey Magoo's. It's a Pardon chicken me? chain, and their chicken is better than Chick-fil-A's Whoa. chicken, in my Whoa. opinion. Uh-oh. Huey yeah, Magoo's? You. Never heard of it. Like Mr. Well, it's, Magoo? It's, that kind I think of thing? it's out of Florida. I know it's East Coast. I think it's just out of Florida right now. Mr. Magoo? That kind of? Like, it's yeah, a blindly great it's, chicken? No, okay. So, okay. Oh, th- there's somebody calling that. me again. Speaking, so speaking I better the previously I better end Debbie. the show. <laughs> No, actually, I think that's my mother. I think that's my mother. So um, uh, that's it. We're going to leave. We're going to do another one really soon. And we really appreciate you being a part of our little get-together called Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald, Tom Cox over there in the Model Military Aircraft Museum. We're awaiting the unveiling, the completion and the unveiling of the exciting B-1B stealth bomber. I'm gonna hire three Sherpas to put it up on the up on the ceiling which, too. So, which of course, uh, apparently, a few of those made the North Koreans unhappy, so they were lobbing missiles into the Pacific. So, probably Tom's that. fault, you know. But but again, they can hit Seattle so <laughs> with their missiles. So you might want want to flaunt your B one B. I got it. I'll keep it indoors. Okay. Right. Uh, okay. Anyway, we're out of here. We're gonna be back soon. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?